Welcome to Managing Projects, the podcast for project managers in search of trends and insights. Join us as our guests dig deep into the thought-provoking topics that matter most to project management professionals. You can find all the episodes at managingprojects.ca. And now, here's your host, Ron Smith. Welcome to this episode of Managing Projects. Today on the show, I am interviewing... Mo Mahazne, who is the Director of Communications and Client Experience at Donahue Learning. And Mo has been working with Dr. Mary Donahue, who has been doing some research in the field of generational communication. Mary does a talk that you can find on YouTube from TEDx in Toronto titled The Generational Communication and the New Rules of Engaging Each Generation at Work. And we have Mo on today to talk to us about some of the research. So welcome to the show, Mo. Hi, Ron. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to have you. So get, get us started with this talk. So generational communication. In essence, we look at the way different generations communicate based on their backgrounds and their anchoring moments. What we've realized in recent years is, and Gallup tells us this, is that 70%, more than about 70 to 72% of most employees in North America are, at, are disengaged at the moment. That means in any meeting, in any given meeting of 10 people, only three people are actually doing the work or in, engaged at that meeting. So that's a very high disengagement rate. And so we've what we've looked at is to understand why is there such a disengagement. There's several factors, but we've realized that right now we have four different distinct generations in the workplace. If you count Gen Z, which were born after the year 2000, uh, that generation is now about 17, 18 years old and will be entering the job market very soon. And in some cases, they are in there. So... If you look at the four different generations, we have boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z, all of which bring to the workplace different attitude, different modes of communications, and different approaches to communications. And that all changes based on the way they were brought up and when they were, what technology they were born in and what technology they had to adapt into. Because what we've noticed within these four generations, we've had a huge technological um, advancements in the way we work and the way we function at work. And that led to huge changes in the way we process and, and manage information as on an individual level, but also as a cohort. So our perspectives on work and our perspectives on life have changed drastically based on the generation that we've been born into. I can kind of relate to this. Uh, you and I had a, a quick pre-recording discussion a few weeks ago, and you made me remember a few times in my career where... Um, I had hired someone fresh out of university and I had, I had had about uh, maybe 18 years experience at that point. And what I found uh, interesting is they would deem as a positive behavior at work might be, they might have a chat window open with their friends external. Um, you know, that I've worked with other people where uh -huh. they might have YouTube up and running because they wanted to watch a video while they're at work. And it struck me as extremely unprofessional. And, and then I've, what I'm coming to realize, though, is that so they would have some of these some of these notions almost built in based off of their age category. I mean, simply looking at it, in a, in a, if you want to simplify things, we'll look at Gen Y. Gen Y was online. Gen Y is the millennials. Has been online since the fifth grade. 
So they're born between 1980 and the year 2000, roughly, and different institutions have different age groups, but we've identified them as born after 1980. Um, Gen Y grew up with the internet since the fifth grade. That means when when they go to work, they assume that the internet should be a part of what they do at work. Uh, YouTube is the second largest search engine on the internet, but that's not being used by boomers or Gen X. It's because Gen Y utilizes it so frequently. So sometimes part of this disengagement could be is mostly because of technology and the way we've adapted to technology and the way we grew up with technology. But also, Gen Y use technology as a tool to work and to find out things as they go along. Um, that's why, you know, when a Gen X is stuck doing something at work or is trying to figure something out on Excel or anything, usually their first go-to search is YouTube. And that creates some sort of a, a disengagement factor when you're blocked from using sites like YouTube on um, at work because you grew up using it for it. So how, all of a sudden you're put in this cubicle and you're told to figure something out as a millennial, but then you're told you can't use your second largest search engine ever. So the people who are making those decisions at work are your senior uh, resources to say, well, what tools do you need to work with? We're going to block YouTube so these, these young people don't goof off. That's their perceived use of a YouTube would be goofing off and not, a, you know, a very good, useful search engine to have very quick access to problem solving. Exactly. And so if we look at different generations, we look at boomers, for example. Boomers were born into, into radio. They read the newspaper every single day. They were born between 1945 and roughly 1960. And so their world was extremely auditory in a, in a, in a way that they've learned by reading. They've, done, they've studied the humanities and logic in school and had to... And, and further on in life, had to adapt to TV technology, which is a lot more visual. You look at Gen X, who was born between 1960 and 1980. Well, Gen X is a TV generation. They grew up with CNN, TV dinners, TV dates. You know, So it, their world became a lot more visual. And they had to adapt to technology, such as the computer, to use an isolation at work. So they've worked on a Word document and then took it and shared it with their colleagues Meanwhile, if you look at millennials, because they grew up with the computer and then they adapted into the sharing economy technology, and you can see it every single day now, what millennials can do with the sharing economy, you know, Uber, Yelp, Rate My Professor, et cetera, et cetera. So they used technology and the internet for group socialization and not to work in isolation. And as we go to Gen X, you'll look at, that's a generation that grew up doing homework on things like Google Docs or, you know, all these in the cloud. So the way they function when you put them all in one environment, you can already see that their approach to work and their approach to technology is very different. And so what we're trying to do is trying to reduce that variance between the communication styles between the different generations so that we can get everyone onto the same level and communicating in the most clear and systematic way possible. So step one for you would be to educate, I, I would assume. Um, so if you were to go into a company and you would say, these are your groupings of aged people mm -hmm. and they like to communicate with long verbose emails or they like to communicate with short, concise ones or they like to use chat. Uh, so is that what you're trying to draw out at first when you start to educate these companies and, and the behaviors of each um each categorization of their employees? Precisely. I think the first step of anything is education. And so understanding that you are different and they are different. So it's not about, there's no one right way of doing things at work anymore because we bring in all these different perceptions 
of work from our backgrounds, from our educational background, from the way we functioned as children, from, you know, all these factors play in. And we, as Dr. Mary's research has identified these as anchoring moments. Anchoring moments are major events in your life that shape the way you view the world or you view leadership. So if we look at, um, for example, boomers anchoring moments, boomers all remember the death of JFK, the assassination of JFK. And they remember when they were, when they heard that happened because they heard it on the radio, most likely. Um, that created this drive for legacy. So if you look at the way boomers function at work, they're always building a legacy for themselves. Meanwhile, Gen X graduated into multiple recessions, was the last hired, first fired. A new form of leadership has happened in North American, in the North American corporate culture. So you'll find that the way they function at work is a lot more timid, but they're also very command and control over the work and they're not as share friendly. Whereas Gen Y was educated in groups, came from two working parents, so they had to function with so they had to work with technology to their advantage. They had to find things on their own. And they also worked in groups growing up, which means when you put them at work, they can't function as well in isolation. Their best work is always done as a group, not in individually. That's Gen Y. That that's Gen is, Y. That's uh, the ones that's... If you look at Gen Z, who we mentioned before, work completely in the cloud. So they work completely in, sh in a sharing economy. They function very well in a sharing economy. And so they're very share savvy, let's say. And so they work in group knowledge. They function as a group and they function in terms of, they can work virtually very easily. Well, so what you're making me wonder is not only how this works inside of a company, but you're, you're making me wonder about even if I'm a client of an organization, I am just as happy to open a chat window and get someone in a chat window than I am to call someone on the phone and talk to someone um, because I can do it in the background. It seems efficient. I don't have to wait with the phone stuck to my head. And, and I'm wondering, does this also apply to how you would structure your communication to clients as, as well as internal communication? Of course. And part of what we do at Donahue Learning is, as you mentioned, is educating people about these differences and understanding that you are different and they are different. But also part of that understanding, because we understand this, all our communications happens to be deployed in all different mechanisms and all different formats that appeal to every single generation's preferences. So we know boomers, for example, because they grew up with the humanities, they're very auditory in the way they function. They prefer to receive their emails in a format of a letter, so, so to speak, because they're used to writing letters, they're used to reading it. But also because they're so language savvy and tech savvy, they'll actually point out any single grammatical or spelling error you might have in that email because they grew up with a lot mm -hmm. tougher schooling requirements in that sense. And they grew up with that. Meanwhile, you look at Gen X, Gen X is really busy right now. Gen X is the busiest and, the well, one, the smallest cohort in terms of population. Two, it is the cohort that is currently dealing with aging parents and raising kids who are mm -hmm. into their, their Gen Z. So these people don't have much time to waste at work. And they're also, as we said earlier, grew up very visually. So they look at, if you want to send effective communication to a Gen X, Make sure it looks like a list or it's a very visual. You include graphics, you make it look like indented bullet points, any way to give them the, the information that they need as fast as possible and as efficiently as possible. And you'll find a lot of Gen X would prefer your mode of operation where it's I'd like to chat to a company versus sit on the phone with someone for hours or sit in a meeting because they're, you're wasting their time. They're very precise about their time. Right. 
Um, meanwhile, Gen Y has a very different approach. And in some cases, they're missing that direct communication because, again, their reward was speaking directly with someone. And so you'll find that because they're very kinesthetic, they like to see something moving. They like to see things changing as they go along. So they like to see companies that are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So if you complain, they like to see someone who's actively working with you, who's actively trying to help you. And that's a very big change from a Gen X who's like, you know what, just fix the issue. I don't have time for this. I just need it fixed. It makes sense to me from a from a corporate client perspective oh. where a lot of companies will focus on um, who are our clients? You know, are they are they they try and understand them. They, they say they're um, a male from 20 years old to 30 years old and they like tennis or I, they're, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to get that type of information out of their client base. And it makes sense that they would focus um, their communications in that way. What would you say to someone who is running a company that has everyone from, you know, a grandparent age, right up to uh, they may have, they may have some people working on their team side by side that may be the age of their grandchildren. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you're about to give a communication that encompasses that range. So now you may be going across, you know, four groupings of, of, you know, boomers right to the Z's gen Z's. Exactly. Do you include all of these things? Is it, you throw everything in that says you're going to appeal to the boomers because it's a long written email and you're going to appeal to no, <laughs> your Gen well, X's because not necessarily it's you, you need to find the, you know, the most common denominator amongst all three. And, and the way we, we train communications is we need to look at it as a system and no longer as an assumed behavior, because we know that four different generations communicate so differently and process information so differently and not no longer homogeneously. We're no longer, you know, boomers, when they started working in North America, most of them came out of the military or uh, were veterans. And so their approach was very much honorable monarchy, one unit, one team. They work in, in team very well. And then Gen X came along, who was very visual, more about efficiency and extremely entrepreneurial because they had to, you know, take care of themselves. After all, the companies were no longer taking care of them. That's when the clashes start. And if you notice uh, a clash between a boomer and a Gen X usually happens because the boomer is talking, talking, talking. Meanwhile, the Gen X is like, oh, I can't listen to this anymore. And is trying to create pictures in, in their mind. <laughs> and, but it's true because it's, it's these little things that are causing us to, they're causing us to waste so much time and efficiency in communication. Because if we systemize the way we communicate with each other, if we understand that the message sent right now is not the message received and how to make sure it's, it, it gets through to someone else, then we're reducing that variance in communications, which is giving us a lot more creativity, a lot more productivity. And based on Dr. Mayer's research, you can see we have productivity goes up almost 34% in some cases, stress is reduced by 11%. So this is all data driven the way we, the way we try to develop the, this stuff. But, um, but going back to your question, I think the way you develop the communication that can spam across four different generations is, for example, if you're doing it as an email, we know that boomers like long listing emails, but it doesn't have to be a long email. Maybe put it in paragraph form, followed by a few bullet points within that paragraph. So you're appealing to someone who's visual, who's going to look at those bullet points directly. For Gen, Gen Y, because they're so used to texting and Gen X is so used to short concise messages. And in most cases, Gen Gen Z even speaks in emojis nowadays. So you can even get a message through a few smiley face across. 
But to be, make sure that you're getting <laughs> actually the right message, you want to have it listed in the title, what is required and when is it required. Remember, Gen Y grew up with, that's millennials, grew up with two working parents. So their lives was extremely structured. They came home to a list on the fridge that said who was when and where, cooking instructions. Right. Um, and they were the first generation that was so cared for by their parents. They were participating in all sorts of extracurricular activities and after-school activities and then arts and dance and tennis and all sorts of activities versus other generations. So their whole lives was extremely structured. So if you want to appeal to that within the same communication, maybe put together a chart or something or a table that shows what needs to happen when. And for Gen Z, you literally just need to post that communication in the cloud within the group and they'll dissect it and work on it separately and individually as they see fit because they work so well together. Is this a little bit of a study between fear uh, coupled with annoyance, coupled with kind of almost a pleasure? Like uh, you had talked about the anchoring mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. I want to ask you, if, if I sent an email, let's say I sent an email and it had an attachment in it or it had a link to an attachment, are the different age categories going to respond to that differently? Is some of this fear-based because of those anchoring moments earlier in their life? Well, of course, and that's a great question because we look at, I mean, Gen X grew up at a time when where if you click a link, you get, to, you get to download a virus and your computer completely shuts down. So there, we know this from the data right. that there is, there's an inherent fear between boomers and Gen X not to click links. But if they see it attached and it's from a trusted source, then they'll open it. So even as you're attaching the materials with Gen Y or Gen Z, they're happy if you just send them a link to Dropbox or OneDrive or, or SharePoint or wherever it is living on the cloud. And they'll be able to open it and download it or work on it in a sharing economy. With Gen X, make sure you attach the document because they will not click a link in most cases. Well, because it's it's you're almost trained by, you know, don't put your credit card in online unless you have verified the HTTPS and the... And the, make sure that the link behind that image really is going to take you where, exactly. <laughs> where you, exactly. it should be. So you're not getting duped. Exactly. But, okay, so you're saying that, that the, age, the, the age group that you're in will determine really your reaction to it because the, the, the Gen Ys and Zs, they didn't go through all that. Exactly. And so we're looking at it and not just in terms of the age that you're in, but it's also the environment and the technology that you were born into, the technology you adapted into. And the technology and the way you process technology. So look at very something something very simple. For boomers, when they started working, there was a sound to productivity. You heard typewriters, you heard calculators, there were secretaries. That's a completely different shift from the agile working environments that most of us are working in today. Um, where the maximum right. you hear is a bit of ticking from your laptop. So yeah. that, I mean, that already changes your perspective on work and the way you function within teams or um within a working environment if we look at boomers they work greatly in isolation they're the cultural capital of your organization they've been there they've gone through it they've built in most cases the current millennia in terms of our current organizations and so they work amazingly in isolation but they love and they have to be supported by a team because they grew up with the team they they built this organization with the team and you'll find that they've been there from the get-go till pension till retirement Meanwhile, if you see Gen X is very much command and control. They work perfectly well on personal computers for the team, but not with the team. 
So there, there's a bit of a mm. distinction that you see now in the way they even work at work, in the way they approach work. So it's not just only in the way they approach leadership or communication, it's the way they approach work itself. Gen Y, because they grew up in school working in groups, are much more comfortable working in a sort of kitchen table environment where they're all sitting around the table working together as a team and they'll find a way to work very well as a team together. Gen Z is even mm-hmm. more interconnected in that sense because the work is living and breathing virtually or online and it keep and people keep adding and, and, and subtracting to it as it goes. So work is no longer a piece of work that goes from one person to the other, it gets feedback and is returned back to the in a, in a circular motion. With Gen Z, it's living up in, in the virtual world and you're going in, you're adding something, you're removing something and everyone has access to that. So it's a lot more democratic in the way we produce work as well. And you'll find that that the, the new trend of very horizontal management and everyone is on the same level and every so, you know, um, there's no longer organizational charts. But why is that? Because Gen y, when Gen Y went to school, millennials, they went to a school that was so focused on self-esteem and no longer on competition where Gen X went, uh, when Gen X went to school. So when you're so focused on self-esteem and you, you're taken to work and you see an organizational structure and you're a millennial and you see yourself at the bottom of the chain, you've never been at the bottom of anything in school. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, there's, <laughs> well, that's why these things are changing. We have to understand that the culture that we grew up in and the anchoring moments that have affected us throughout the way lead to the way we function at work in the future. So I, I've got to ask you this question, and this is, this is coming up for me. So, so I'm seeing a lot of companies, they want to systemize their companies. They want their, they almost think of them as uh, in industrial, whether they're creating software, doing whatever. And so in my field, there's something called business process modeling, where you would study a process and you would have a workflow for it. So as an example, maybe a customer is going to complain. And so is there a complaint log that they would put their information in? And then what do you do? Do you you call them back. Are they on the phone already? Do you, and and you, you, pro, you, you model this process and it's almost like uh-huh. a playbook that someone in that role would go through. I'm dying to ask you this question. Is that because it, they, these are documented rules to follow? Is that, would that be um, taken differently? For instance, is, is the Gen Z's more creative do they not want to follow a flow or is it, is it the, the system behind it that would allow them to be okay with, with uh, following that, that prescribed business process? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, in, in this case, it's a bit of both. So one, we are advocates of systemizing communications and teaching different teams that there should be a standard of communications across the board within the organization, because that means you're reducing that variance between people's different generations and different approaches to communication. But at the same time, we also need to understand that you can't force someone into a communication system that they're not comfortable with or that they do not did not grow up with, because that will increase those inefficiencies. So one of the things, one of the interventions that we've used is a a very strong mentorship program mostly focused on boomers and millennials because in most cases millennials come into the workplace and now gen z will be the next generation coming into the workplace but they don't understand the culture that existed before their presence at work so part of reducing that variance Mm -hmm. is using your own talent pool to teach each other how this the culture works and how the culture performs 
But at the same time, you have to look at Gen X, who is extremely busy and very tired in most cases, both at home and at work. Mm-hmm. Is your intellectual yeah, well? I can relate. Is is your intellectual capital? It's that generation <laughs> that knows what work was like before the introduction of the internet and the computer, and what it is after, mm-hmm. because they've introduced it and used it. In it. Um, and so, as you systemize the process, as you train communications across the organization, I think mostly information becomes the power in this case and being informed that there are different variations of communications within your organization will give you a lot more efficiency. Well, the way we are looking at it as well is we're looking at introducing things like bots and technological tools that can help you realize that, wait a minute, I'm communicating with that person. He's, a, he's of a different generation. Maybe I should email him differently. The way I communicate mm. maybe does not work for everyone else on my team. How do I make sure that everyone who's on my team is mm-hmm. engaged and is influenced well? Because at the end of the day, it's also about influencing someone. When you speak to th- someone their language, you're more likely to influencing them than when you have a translator or than they're, when they're trying to decipher what you mean. And that reduces email hot potato r- around the offices, reduces all the time wasted between back and forth trying to figure out what the message is. When the message was thought to have been clear from the get-go, but it's not clear for the, for the reader or the receiver right. at the end of the day. Oh, this is wildly fascinating. And I think I could talk to you all afternoon about this. It is. It's it's changing and there's a lot more detail to it and there's a lot more depth. But what we're trying to focus is trying trying to get people to understand that, as I said, there are different generations. We no longer process information homogeneously. And so we need to allow for that variation and that difference and use it to our advantage in our corporate world. We need to use... Our, our Gen Ys, our communication capital in an organization to build these communications. Look at Gen Y. They're the adapt, adopt, and improve generation. And we call them that because look what they've done to the hotel industry. Look at what they've done to transportation with Airbnb or Uber. And so use that to your advantage in a corporate environment. If you have a, a tough challenge, give it to a group of Gen Ys. Don't give it to one person to figure it, them, to figure it out by themselves and leave them isolated without you know YouTube or Facebook or any of their modes of communications so you need to part of this Mm -hmm. is giving all the different generations the different tools that they're used to and that they need to have at their disposal to produce the best work they can oh this is this is fascinating stuff so mo if someone wanted to learn more about what you're doing um where can they find you online? We are at donahuelearning.com. That is D-O-N-O-H-U-E learning.com. And if not, I'm happy to share all my contact info with you. And at the, we can add it to the podcast. I have my email. They can find me on Twitter. They can find us at Donahue Learning on Twitter. They can find me. Um, they can find Dr. Mary Donahue on Twitter as well. And we're on Facebook. Anywhere you can find us on, really. But I'll, I'll share all our contact information, and I'm more than happy to answer any questions for anyone who needs any answers or is having any of those issues. Because we know at 70% disengagement, most workplaces are suffering of this issue. 70%, that's staggering. Wow. Well, I will put all the contact information in the show notes on managingprojects.ca. So you can find that under the posting that I, that I create for this episode. Oh, thank you so much for this. It's it's fascinating. So thank you for the time today. I really appreciate it, Mo. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, I'm just scratching the surface when it comes to this. And Dr. Donahue has been a leader at the forefront of this research. And she's uh, 
uh, at the forefront we, at this uh, sort of evolutionary psychology approach where you're looking at cohorts and the way they function at work. Um, and the more and the deeper we get into it and the more Gen Zs are entering work, this is becoming more and more an issue and we're realizing this every day. So we're happy to help anyone who needs our help and we're happy to work with you or anyone to, to bring at least a better understanding to this issue. Wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Ron. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Managing Projects podcast. Find show notes and more at managingprojects.ca and follow us on Twitter at manage underscore P-R-O-J. If you enjoy the show, help us out by recommending it to a friend or leaving a review on iTunes. Talk to you next time.